You are now listening to the Inner Circle Podcast Network. Konnichiwa, motherfuckers. Welcome, one and all, young and old. Welcome to the Avocado Cafe podcast. This is the English language Kimagure and Road podcast, and it's hosted by me. I am Jason Almy, and I want to thank you all for listening to today's very special episode. This is a bonus episode. We're going to be discussing the OVA number one entitled White Lovers. It's a week off for the television series, but It's not a week off for me. Don't worry. I'm always in the lab. Now, this is an OVA, so of course it was originally released outside of the normal timeline. This was originally released on March the 1st of 1989. It was directed by Nakamura Koichiro. Nakamura has directed six episodes so far. This will make seven. Most recently, we discussed Nakamura's efforts on episode 36. And in that episode, Komatsu and Hata prove that they have very weak, very poor short-term memories. They're going to display that today because in episode 36, they were convinced that Kasuga was an esper with psychic powers. And here, what psychic powers? Of course, this episode was written by Terada Kenji. Terada Kenji has written 18 episodes now. Terada also last wrote episode 36, which was, again, the episode where Kasuga's friends try to murder him to prove that he's an Asper. These are great friends. I always wondered when I was young what that old saying meant with friends like these who needs enemies, because your enemies would try to kill you. But here, in episode 36, Kasuga's buddies, Komatsu and Ata, were actively trying to murder him to prove that he had psychic powers and it was really not until my my older age that I realized, oh, that's what they mean. Like, you don't need enemies if your own friends are going to attempt to murder you. And for Kasuga, that's definitely true. As with Hawaiian suspense, I wonder, is this OVA something that was produced after the fact as an OVA? Or is this an unreleased 
television episode that's getting released as an OVA because why not, right? For example, the opening is Actress in the Mirror, same as with the third part of the TV series. The ending is Dance in the Memories, again, same as with the third part of the TV show. So the opening and ending are already fitting in line with the episodes that we're discussing every week here on this podcast anyways. Also, the art, just as with Hawaiian Suspense, the artwork here seems to be more in line with the TV series. It's not quite like the art from the other OVAs, like Message and Rouge. That seems to have a little bit more of a distinctive art style, in addition to having its own distinct opening, closing sequences. In this episode, as with Hawaiian Suspense, there's even an eye catch, which really serves no purpose if there's not going to be a commercial break. The whole point of the eye catch is to insert some commercials right here. If you're producing this thing, knowing that it's going to be released as an OVA, there's really no point in inserting an eye catch, is there? Because you know it's going straight to video and there's no commercials. And of course, this was the first OVA released. It kind of makes sense that this and Hawaiian suspense would be material that had already been produced, that they want to release, that they want to capitalize. You've paid money, good money, to produce these two episodes, this one in Hawaiian Suspense. Why not release them to video and recoup some of that production cost? But it makes me wonder, why wouldn't they release this episode? There's a touch of nudity. There's a little bit of an adult sequence here where Kasuga begins to lose his virginity with Ayukawa that may have been just a little bit much for TV. I really, I, I don't know enough to, to make generalized statements about uh, Japanese television in the 1980s, late 1980s, but I can say from watching Orange Road that uh, that's a little bit more mature than than some of what we see in the other television episodes. I mean, of course, there are many times where Kasuga fantasizes about Ayukawa and he sees her in um, various states of undress in his mind and he sexualizes her and and there's imagery that goes with that. And, and of course, that can push boundaries when it comes to television viewing. And it may have affected which episodes were aired when this show was exported to other nations like uh, Italy and France. But for this episode, it seems like that sequence where they start getting naked in the cave and they're getting ready to get it on, get a little cave sex, that still might be a little bit much for Orange Road just in general. And then also there's an element in this episode of paranormal that's not related to the Kasuga family power. It's not ESP-based. There's this vengeful ghost that inhabits this mountain, and and um, there are zombies involved and other things, presumably former victims of this ghost. But So maybe it didn't quite fit in with the story that they were trying to tell, and maybe it introduced these paranormal elements that, that were sort of outside of the, the main thrust of the storyline. But it never seemed crazy to me. Like, you've got this family of espers. They do psychic stuff. They can do telepathy, some of them. Some of them can uh, disguise themselves as other people. They can all teleport to some degree. They can move things around with their mind. It doesn't seem that weird that a world in which this family exists, there might also be other things. There might be 
ghosts or something else like that. It never seemed that crazy to me, but for some people that maybe that is a little too much. Now, the gang is back at Ojisan and Obasan's place after they had so much fun almost drowning in the river last time. Even more so than last time, we see that Ojisan and Obasan live in what is basically a resort. So I guess it's worth revisiting them even if there is kind of this constant risk of death because of ESP and mountainous terrain that wants to kill you. The hot springs are nice, right? It's it's worth possibly dying. Again, they brought Jinguro, as if they didn't learn anything last time, as if a cat is going to get anything from a ski trip. I think if you can say anything, it is that the Kasugas, they don't learn. They don't take lessons away from previous episodes and think, Ayukawa almost died because we brought Jinguro last time and he fell into the river and then she fell into the river and then we had to save her and she almost died. It's not going to happen twice. Again, with continuity in this episode, where does this fit in? I like to view it here because we're looking at winter episodes. We have a winter vacation, and, and this is a good spot. A week off is a good spot to fit this episode, even though it was released in 1989. For example, early in this episode, Shikaru comments that Ayukawa does not have the body of a junior high student. So she's already acknowledging that Ayukawa is in junior high. That is ninth grade. That's the same grade that Ayukawa was in in 1987, 1988. So it's a very strong evidence for this episode fitting into the TV series timeline. The other OVAs, such as I Was a Cat, I Was a Fish, or Hurricane Akane, it's obvious that those OVAs are taking place in 1989, 1990, where Kasuga is 17 years old and in high school proper. I Was a Cat was released December 27th, 1989, and Kasuga is 17 in that episode. Kasuga and Ayukua would be 17-ish and in high school proper by March of 1989 if they continued on. If they were in ninth grade in 1987, by 89, they're in 11th grade, maybe getting ready to be seniors in high school. Ojisan's showing a little bit more of his pervish nature here in his previous appearance. He wasn't that bad. He was more wondering which one Kasuga liked, Shikaru versus Ayukawa. But here he's being a little bit more active with his pervishness. He clearly snuck by the bathhouse area to get a peek at 15-year-old girls bathing in the nude, which is pretty creepy for a guy who's probably in his 60s, maybe 70. But the animation here is a step up from episode 34, especially episode 34 was the, the first episode that Oji-san and Obasan appeared in. And in this episode's definitely a step up in terms of animation. It may not be quite on par with Message in Rouge or Akane the Shape-Changing Girl, but it's definitely better than some of what we've been seeing from the mid-30s episodes. It's probably about on par with Hawaiian Suspense. So again, it makes sense as an OVA. You expect a little bit better production value from something that you're going to spend money on to get on a VHS cassette in 1989, but uh, it's still not, not quite on par with the OVA that are to come. Also in this episode, we got a little bit of Kasuga like slapping his hand over Jisan's mouth to prevent him from saying things about the family power. And it's enough for Komatsu to ask, what power? As if he hadn't already been convinced that Kasuga was an esper like three weeks earlier. So convinced, in fact, that 
he was willing to murder Kosuga to prove it, as I mentioned a moment ago. But now he's none the wiser. But there's clearly no continuity here. It turns into a gag. Kasuga is being levitated by Oji-san, and it turns into Oji-san telling them that they mustn't go skiing with their romantic partner, which really is just an excuse to get Shikaru out of the way and put Kasuga together with Ayukawa for the events of the episode. In fact, we see very little of Shikaru in this episode. We don't get much at all. It's a little unrealistic. It's very contrived, but it serves its purpose. We really just need Ayukawa and Kasuga to get stuck in a cave together today. I think it's also important because it strongly implies what we all already know, that there's reciprocal romantic feelings between Kasuga and Ayukawa. The fact that they're attacked by the ghost at all implies that they share romantic feelings. They both feel strongly about each other. It's also appropriate for this point in the TV series. That's another reason why I like watching this episode right around now. It fits in well with where their relationship is at. It's mostly something that they both recognize, but it's not something that they're really ready to like move on yet. Uh, I think in the episode I discussed a moment ago, 36, where Costco's friends were trying to murder him, there was that moment in the classroom where Ayukawa was rehearsing and Kasuga comes in and finds her there and they have this moment together and it's a really nice moment and they're they're both very aware, I think, of their mutual feelings, but it's still not something that Ayukawa is ready to like go public with yet. I don't think she wants to completely upend their lives at that point. And I think we see that here. I think this is very consistent with where we are generally with their relationship. It's pretty well recognized. It's one of those things everybody knows. They definitely know, but it's one of those things that has to go unsaid still. So it fits in pretty well here. Now, the joke about Kasuga's sleeping arrangements with the girls seems also consistent with last week's episode where he took both girls as his date to the Christmas party. And there's a few gags in this episode where grandma doesn't know which one he's dating. Grandpa doesn't know which one he's dating. Which one are you going to go sleep with? Oh, you're going to sleep with them both. Pimp, way to go. Take them both to bed with you. That kind of thing. And none of the three of them really seem to object to all of them sleeping together. They just get this like nervous laughter. Like, ah, we would never do that. Even though, who knows, maybe they did that after last week's Christmas episode. So I think what's what's really going on is that there's this balance here they don't want to upend this thing and we're going from Ayukawa being the third wheel hanging out with Kasuga and Shikaru we're transitioning over to Shikaru being the third wheel hanging out with Kasuga and Ayukawa we're going to see that in some future episodes too I'm going to point that out I think next week we cut to the next morning and we see that Ayukawa is of course a talented skier consistent with her generally high degree of physical abilities with with other things that she's demonstrated we know she's a good surfer we know she's an excellent martial artist we know she's a, a great gymnast skateboarder this is perfectly in keeping with the idea that ayukawa is a gifted athlete and generally pretty good at this type of thing as we learn a little bit more about the local legend we get a little corpse nipple shot here, which is a titillation that would not be out of place in a horror movie. You know, you see the dead girl and she's like laying there and the killer got her or whatever, but her tits are still out. 
that seems like the type of thing, you know, like 13-year-old boys still kind of dig it, definitely seems a little bit more mature than the other episodes of Orange Road. There's really not any nipple shots in the other episodes, but we definitely get a little bit of nipple added in here. So that may be another reason why this episode was held back from the original release and, and instead released straight to video. But then again, that makes me wonder if this episode was produced as an OVA. Maybe they knew that they could get away with a little bit more nudity since it was going straight to video and they thought, why not throw a uh, corpse nipple in there? What says OVA more than corpse nipples? It's cute that Ayukawa is characteristically terrified of the ghost story shit. So the gang decides to take the more careful approach and split up. They don't stay together. Shikaru insisting that Ayukawa take good care of Kasuga that day strongly indicates her general ignorance regarding feelings between them. It's actually evidence against her knowing all along that they liked each other as she reveals in Anohi. So it's one of those things that occurs along the way that makes me think that maybe they retconned the idea that Shikaru knew all along that Kasuga and Ayukawa had feelings for each other, and she just thought that she could do something about it here. She would not have, if she truly believed that there was some kind of paranormal threat to couples that like each other, she wouldn't have put Kasuga and Ayukawa together because she would have known, based on their mutual affection for each other, that they would become targets of the ghost. So here, I don't really think that they're showing us that she knew all along. It also makes me wonder, do the romantic feelings have to be reciprocated? For the ghost to target the couple. I think so, probably. You know, what, what you wind up seeing from the rest of the legend and the ghost's grudge itself strongly indicates that these couples have to be reciprocal. The romantic feelings have to be reciprocal. Shikaru goes off with Yusaku, despite Yusaku ostensibly liking Shikaru. Maybe, maybe that's why they didn't pair Yusaku and Kasuga, because then it would have been the two of them running from the ghost. Because Yusaku loves Kasuga, obviously. Komatsu and Hatta complain that they won't be able to ski with Manami and Kurumi, despite the fact that that's obviously a one-sided romance as well. We don't think that Manami and Kurumi honestly like Komatsu and Hatta very much. There are some episodes where they're seen having fun with Komatsu and Hatta, kind of goofing off and being kids together, but there's really no indication that that's an actual serious romantic thing for Manami and Kurumi. But after they're trapped in the cave by the avalanche, Ayukawa seems to take that as a sign that she and Kasuga do share reciprocal feelings. But I gotta wonder, is it even necessary to split up to ski? Like, it sort of makes sense to split up into pairs if you're trying to cover an entire forest looking for a magic mushroom, but... Every time I've been skiing, it's like a bunch of people all kind of skiing together. Like, you go up in groups and then you go down more or less solo so you don't like knock into each other but but you're more or less in a big group of people that are all skiing together it's not really necessary to break up into pairs of two and all go your separate ways and how about Kasuga waiting until he takes off down the mountain to remember that he can't ski and only then does he get nervous so he uses the power to keep up with her and not die but maybe this isn't such a smart idea because will it deplete his power reserves? Will that even be an important plot point? It won't because the zombies are immune to the power. Speaking of zombies being immune to the power, is this all a dream? Were the experiences of Ayuko and Kasuga all just a hallucination in this episode? 
That's the question I ask myself as we went into the main conflict when they get trapped inside that cave. As Ayukua initially begins to strip down, there's this sort of glow effect that's drawn around her, kind of like an aura, like this white aura. It's a use of mise-en-scene to indicate that we might not be witnessing an actual factual striptease on behalf of Ayukua. The hallucination continues with Kasuga and Ayukua completely nude and kneeling, facing each other, agreeing to have sex, that little consent part, very important. They're mostly covered, but it's still pretty intimate compared to the rest of the Orange Road episodes. They're shown in soft focus, and Kasuga is gently laying Ayukua down and then laying on top of her, really very respectful, very romantic way, but clearly getting it on. That's kind of mature. That's a little bit maybe too adult, and maybe that's why this came out on OVA. Kasuga is shown in soft focus. He's laying Ayukua down to get it on. Respectful, romantic way, but still kind of adult. And I got to imagine, cave floor sex can't be very comfortable. Our ancestors must have suffered greatly for cave floor sex, especially in this scenario. You don't even have time to go gather some like leaves and make like a makeshift mattress to lay on top of. They're just totally getting it on on the cave floor. But was the ghost truly there and causing the characters to hallucinate or have visions with its spectral powers? Or could this have been some kind of cave gases that they were breathing in, they were inhaling and caused them to hallucinate? like the ancient Greek oracles or something. All of the glow and soft focus effects with the mise-en-scene were really telling us that Kasuga was hallucinating. That was an indication that he it was all occurring inside of his brain as the real Ayukua wakes him back up with a few light smacks to his cheeks. And surprise, she's actually fully dressed. He's still got his top off, but she's wondering what's going on with him. So he was having this hallucination. Could have been hormones, could have been the ghost, could have been weird cave gases, who knows. Uma and Ushko have an interesting appearance in this episode. It's kind of their biggest roles yet. Typically, they go unnoticed by the gang, which might even help to explain their increasingly weird and over-the-top appearances. Like each time they do something, they make an appearance, they announce their love to each other, and like no one's looking, no one's paying attention. Kasuga doesn't care. He's knocking them over. Everybody else is going about with their life. And they can't get any attention for themselves. So it keeps getting weirder and weirder. Last week, in fact, they dropped a giant Christmas tree on Yusaku and jumped out dressed as people-sized Christmas ornaments, for Christ's sake. They're clearly trying to get some attention. They had sex inside a Christmas tree. The gang still doesn't care. Now here, this week, Hata and Komatsu actually take notice for once. They're trying to lure Ushko away from Umao by telling them about the local legend, trying to convince them not to go skiing together. Umao and Ushko, they get some additional lines in this episode, which is not very common for them. They usually don't get any additional lines besides their typical line. They usually get one line each. Here, they get to talk about how their love is stronger than the curse before finally do breaking up to go with others. That aren't Komatsu and Hata. So Komatsu and Hata still get cock blocked. They don't get to get it on with Ushko. Ushko winds up going off with some other dude, but they talked him into it. And then 
Ushko and Umal's appearance actually extends beyond the scene. We cut from the ski lodge to the lift going uphill, and the camera gives us a close-up shot of Ushko staring back longingly at Umal as Umal looks up at her, and they're both looking distraught because they're not going to be able to ski together that day. So they really have kind of this lingering appearance, and, and even though it doesn't really do anything for the plot, it do, it's not an important plot point, it's still a beefier role for those two. So congratulations, Umal and Ushko. And the motif of Kasuga's grandma singing the legend out in this kind of ghostly, haunting manner, it becomes this kind of connective tissue for the episode. It's like a mortar that connects the scenes as if they were bricks or stones, and this mortar kind of holds them together and pieces them together and puts them together to form this narrative. The legend is, at least in my mind, kind of similar to the legend of the couple from episode 18, the haunted legend of the big wave beach or, or some other shit, or whatever it was, we get some nice freeze frames and, and slow motion of this poor girl falling to her death as Kasuga relates the legend to Ayukawa. So it's more of this editing used for dramatic effect to create the dramatic effect of this legend. And it's at this point that zombies begin attacking Kasuga and Ayukawa. And it's probably the most graphic imagery that we're shown in all of the Orange Road episodes. There's not a lot of violence. There aren't a lot of corpses in this episode. In fact, this is the only episode that I can think of that features any corpses at all. And they're all in various advanced states of decomposition. So we're talking like eyeballs hanging out and like teeth are missing and like jaws are hanging open and like partially missing and, and gaping maws and just everything. Uh, Tissues are withered, and it's all very disgusting. And And it could, again, be another reason why this episode did not get aired on TV with the rest of them. It was produced, and they looked at it, and they decided that along with some of the sexy stuff, maybe this is not quite what is going to fly on TV, or at least in and amongst the other 48 episodes, maybe that's why they decided to pull this one. It makes sense if it was, in fact, produced at the same time. Now, Kasuga's power failing to affect the zombies was the first clue that they weren't actually there. They do disappear. It's also why I said that his use of the power earlier doesn't really matter. In a lot of episodes, an early use of the power in the episode has consequences later when the power is exhausted. And they need it, but they don't have it because they've already spent it all up earlier in the episode. Here... They kind of set it up for that, where he's extensively using the power during his skiing with Ayukua, and then he's going to face some situations where he might need the power, but doesn't have it. Here, it just doesn't work on other paranormal entities, probably, or it doesn't work when he's hallucinating zombies, because again, the zombies disappear. But importantly, Ayukua has now joined Kasuga in the hallucinations. They're hallucinating the same imagery, the same events, which is kind of evidence that the ghost was real, because if you and your buddies just both take LSD, there's no guarantee that you're going to see the same stuff. But if you're both being haunted by a specter who's trying to get you to fall into a giant pit of lava, then you might both see zombies chasing you. So the fact that they're hallucinating the same exact things simultaneously seems more as proof that there is something legitimate paranormal that is occurring in this episode, and it's not just weird cave gases or something like that. 
And therefore, I will conclude that the ghost in this episode was in fact real, at least in this diegetic world. Given that Ayukawa overwhelmingly tends to be touched and impressed by Kasuga's gestures, even when he does little stuff like uh, break up her sister's wedding rehearsal, this really ought to be the granddaddy of all gestures from Kasuga because he didn't just ride a bike to the church to bust up a, a wedding rehearsal. He was willing to fall into molten lava with her and die together. That's commitment, my friends. This entire narrative was constructed to demonstrate Kasuga and Ayuko's bond. At this point in the series, they're very well bonded. They've spent a lot of time together, and they're very consistent with their romantic feelings toward each other. Ayukua begged Kasuga to let her go so that he could save himself. She didn't want him to die. Even if it meant her death, she wanted him to live on. Now, he refused. He did the right thing, preferring to die with her. And so I think we're meant to appreciate here the gravity of their relationship. This is more than um, puppy love. This isn't a, a teenager's crush. I mean, this is a deep and meaningful relationship for the both of them that they're they're both ready to sacrifice their lives for each other but man did they shake that shit off pretty quick i gotta say they survive a fall into molten lava and find themselves laying in the snow somehow alive and then they just get up and run around and start throwing snow at each other like goofballs they did watch the spirits of the medieval couple from the legend floating up into the heavens, which would seem to confirm that they shared a paranormal experience that really did happen. There's really not a lot of ambiguity or doubt about that, just a touch. But then they just shake it off and they start playing around in the snow like it never happened, which, look, I'd be thrilled to be alive too. If I thought I was falling into liquid magma to be burned alive... I'd be pretty thrilled. I'd be pretty excited to wake up in the snow, fully clothed and no burns at all. But I mean, they're really playing with each other like it never happened. They like just go right back to playing with each other and goofing off instead of like, holy shit, did you see what just happened? How the hell did that happen? Did you watch the ghost just go into heaven? You saw it too? Yeah, I just saw two ghosts go into heaven. We should be burned up in magma right now. What the fuck happened? It's crazy. It's ridiculous, but they never talk about it again. Also, like I've said a hundred times before, no continuity in this show. Look, if me and the girl I liked just experienced some weird spectral phenomena and we just freed a ghost from hundreds of years of being cursed in this cave and trying to kill lovers that she came upon every time they went skiing down the mountain, you better believe that shit's coming up one or two more times in my life. I'm going to talk about it. We're going to bring that up a few more times. We're going to need to talk about it, possibly with a therapist. But here, they're just like, no biggie, right? This is like a normal Thursday for us. And if you too would like to be thrilled to be alive, trust me, head on over to patreon.com slash team Almy. Become a proud supporter of team almy studios the studio that brings you this fine podcast amongst others i will send you something you're going to get something from me to you and i don't care where you live if you live in a cave haunted by a ghost and full of zombies and liquid magma i don't give a shit 
I'm going to send you something. Just give me your address. Also, we got a lot of special features coming up. I'm excited. We're going to be making some katsu pretty soon. I've been practicing my tonkatsu making, so I don't embarrass myself too much. I don't mind if I embarrass myself a little bit. That's kind of my shtick. I mean, that's my brand. But, you know, I don't want to embarrass myself too much. Like, I don't want to burn half my face off and wind up looking like a Batman villain. Anyway, please uh, also check out my other podcast, Creatures of the Night. I will put a link in the show notes so that you can easily access that podcast. It's like a goofy paranormal podcast if you like what we've talked about today ghosts and vengeful spirits and people hallucinating trips into liquid magma you'll love creatures of the night and i'll include a link you're gonna love it Uh, i want to thank everybody from the bottom of my heart for checking out this episode today i want to thank all of my patrons for hanging out you guys are the best i'm gonna leave you with some funky music this is gonna be awesome and i'll see you guys next week in the new year for a new year episode until then thank you very much and adios i guess i should say sayonara shouldn't i and sayonara